So it's a beautiful, gorgeous springtime morning right here in southern middle Tennessee. The birds are singing, just singing their hearts out. The spring flowers are all blooming. The sky is just perfect, pitch, picture perfect blue with just a few puffy white clouds in the sky. Uh, I mean, it's just the ideal, picture perfect spring day. What does that call for? What does that demand? Well, what you really ought to do, what that really calls for is to go take a picnic to the park, right? That, that kind of a day demands a picnic in the park. You know, we would say it that way. Or how about this? Uh, so your wife, I've mentioned this several times, and Cindy has not picked up the hint yet, but so your wife pulls a hot apple pie right out of the oven. And uh, so this, this, and this big, nice slice of hot apple pie is sitting on a plate right in front of you. What does that demand? Well, what that demands is a big scoop of vanilla ice cream right on top, right? That's what, that's what a hot piece of apple pie demands, right? Or how about that? How about this? For you football fans, football season is not that terribly far away now, right? And come the third Saturday of October, if you're a UT football fan, what does that demand? Stephen knows that demands you be sitting in front of the TV set for the Alabama-Tennessee game, third Saturday of September, or October, rather, third Saturday of October. That's what that date demands. So I'm, I, I give all of those statements to highlight the word demands. When we talk about, when we use the word in that fashion, we, we mean that Certain things call for other things to happen. When these things are true, other things should result. It demands it to be. So that, that, it's not that it necessarily would be so. I mean, you could choose to do otherwise, but what it calls for, what it demands, is that you do certain things. All right, you got, you got the idea in mind? All right. Today we want to talk about the Bible. And... And we want to talk about what the Bible demands. The Bible itself is is such that certain things should follow as a result of it. Okay, and we want to talk about what the Bible demands in our lesson this morning. We stop here just briefly to say thank you for being here. This is not the picture perfect spring morning in south, southern middle Tennessee. This is a hot summertime. Uh, but we are blessed to be able to be in this comfortable place to come together to worship God. And we are blessed to have you here to be a part of it so that we can draw strength and encouragement from one another. We pray that God will be glorified by all that we do. We thank you for our visitors. We hope you'll come again whenever you can. Let's talk about what the Bible demands. First of all, I want to suggest to you that the Bible demands to be read. Uh, are you familiar with the SETI project, S-E-T-I, the SETI project? S-E-T-I stands for Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And we've got big listening antennas set up and we've got satellites orbiting the earth, looking out into the far reaches of the universe, trying to pick up a signal, some, some kind of a message, some, some noise at least coming from some intelligent being way out yonder somewhere. Uh, millions, probably billions over the years have been spent searching for extraterrestrial intelligence. Because we want, if, if they're out there, we want to know what they have to say. We want to hear from them. If there's, if there's intelligent life out there in the universe, 
We'd like to hear from them. Well, think about the Bible. What we, hear, what we have here in the Bible is a direct message from the all-powerful creator of the universe. And he has directly revealed himself to us. And we don't have to set up big listening antennas to try and pick up that message. All we have to do is pick up our Bible and read it. The Bible demands to be read because it is a message to us from God. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Notice this reading. Timothy was to give attendance to reading. Newer translations like this English Standard Version, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. We understand that back in those times, it would have been a very rare thing to be able to have your own hands on a written copy of Scripture. Uh, obviously, way before printing presses made Bibles accessible to all. And so it was a really unique thing to have access to a copy of the Scriptures. And for that reason, the few copies that did exist were to, uh, Paul says to Timothy, be sure, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture because the people uh, won't have their own copies and they'll need to hear the Scriptures read. It's very important to hear the Scriptures read. They didn't have access to their own copies of the Bible, but we do, right? We have them readily accessible to us. I finally did something the other day that I've been meaning to do for a long time. I was sitting in my desk, and I just looked within arm's reach of me, sitting in my desk, I counted 35 copies of the Bible. Do we have access to the Bible? Yeah, we've got free access to the Bible. But the sad thing is we, we often neglect to read it. The Bible demands to be read. We, unfortunately, too often take it for granted. When Paul wrote to the church at Colossae in Colossians 4, verse 16, he said, When this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. When we were talking about this in a Bible class recently, we, we suggested, and it probably is the case, that this letter from Laodicea was the letter that we call Ephesians that had been circulating among those churches. But I just use this statement here again to emphasize that there was a great urgency in reading the inspired uh, the revelation from God. The Bible demands to be read. The Bible also demands to be believed. There's a significant amount of evidence that the book we call the Bible is not the product of human work. It is not of human origin. Sadly, there are fewer and fewer people who believe that. There are fewer and fewer people in our world who believe that the Bible is a divine revelation from God. We're going to talk a little bit of that. We're going to look at some of the statistics and talk about that in our lesson this evening, Lord willing. But again, sadly, fewer and fewer people believe that the Bible is from God. The Bible is to be believed. It demands to be believed. The evidence is there to suggest that it really is the inspired Word of God. We're not going to look to the evidence, uh, especially in our lesson this morning, but just to state that the evidence is available and, and it should cause us to believe what's written in the Word of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you Word of God, which he heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, 
the Word of God, which also performs its work in you that believe. Notice, not the Word of men. It is, it, what it really is, is the Word of God. And so, when the Apostle Paul spoke and wrote by inspiration, he wasn't given just his own opinions or think-sos. He was giving a message from God to be believed as the Word of God. In Acts chapter 11, at, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 17 at verse 11, it says these, the people of Berea, these people of Berea were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the Word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. I want to emphasize to you here that when the Bereans heard the Word of God, they had a great eagerness to receive the message from God. Now, they weren't gullible. We often talk about the fact they didn't just gullibly believe anything that was told to them. They checked it out. But they were eager to receive this message from God, to believe it being a message from the Creator. So the Bible demands to be read. It demands to be believed. But it also demands to be obeyed. If you believe it. Now, think about that. If we accept it and read it as a message from the Creator, and we believe it to be true in every sense, then it really, common sense says that our to that then would be to obey it. It's what the Bible demands to be obeyed. In the text that was read for us earlier, in James chapter 1, Gage read this to us just a few minutes ago, and so we won't do the whole text, but take this excerpt out of the text. James chapter 1, beginning verse 21, Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man, uh, if any be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Notice, you have to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. You have to be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. I think that's just so plain. And and this and this sort of word picture that James paints here, you know, guy looks in the mirror, he sees what he needs to fix about his appearance, but he doesn't fix it. He just turns and walks away. He forgets what he saw in the mirror. That doesn't even make sense. If you look in the mirror and you see you've got a smudge on your face or your hair is all messed up, you address that. And he's saying that's the way it is when we look into the Word of God. When we look into the Word of God, we need to be doers, not just hearers. Uh, and we understand that is so true. The Bible demands to be obeyed. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 beginning, Peter says, Your faith purified your hearts by obedience to the truth. Peter's expression denotes what our reaction to the Bible ought to be. It's what the Bible demands. It is, demands to be obeyed. The Bible also demands to be respected. When I was just a little boy, I can, I can just barely remember it, but my dad took our family to Washington, D.C. It's the only time I've ever been to Washington, D.C. I'd like to go back sometime. Uh, I, I can just barely remember seeing some of the famous sites round about Washington, D.C. 
But I didn't tell you, for some reason, one of the things that sticks out most vividly in my mind, I was really young at the time, so I don't remember all of it very well at all, but one of the things that does just vividly stand out in my mind is we visited Arlington Cemetery uh, in Washington, D.C., and I was so impressed with those rows of grave markers just laid out so perfectly, uh, so symmetrically. Uh, what, a, what an amazing place Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C. is. I'll tell you, that place demands respect, right? That's a special place where people, many soldiers who, who served and died in defense of our country are there, buried. And that place deserves respect. It demands respect. You can't imagine, for instance, that, they, that the people in charge of that place would allow maybe a, a, a raucous rock concert to be held on the grounds of Arlington National Cemetery. You're not going to have a rock concert there. This place demands respect. You're not going to have a, 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 a big 4th of July fireworks celebration at Arlington National Cemetery. Now, we, you can shoot your fireworks. We love, we love to shoot fireworks, as you well know. But not going to do it at Arlington National Cemetery. That place demands respect. You get the idea? Well, apply that thinking to the Bible. Uh, with all that is true of the Bible, the Bible demands to be respected. In Revelation chapter 22, uh, I think you know this statement. It, it, this statement is talking about the book of Revelation specifically, but I believe the principle set forth here applies to all of the inspired Word of God. John says in Revelation 22, beginning verse 18, I want everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. So, a warning to anyone who would add to or anyone who would take away from the words of the book. Uh, that's a, a very clear statement, I think. Uh, again, I think this specifically applies to the book we call the book of Revelation. But I, I think the principle is true of all the inspired message of God. It deserves to be respected. You don't add to it. You don't take away from it. It is the message from God in heaven. What would you think about this? So. All these green people keep telling us we need to go to electric cars. I'm thinking about, so I'm going to think about getting an electric car. I'm going to go in, I'm, I'm going to buy in completely. I'm going to get me one of those new Teslas, you know, and I'm not going to get me the base model Tesla. I'm going to get me one of those nice new Teslas that cost right around $100,000 or more. I'm going to get the top end, right? But when I get it, what I'm thinking is I'm going to change it some. I'm going to rip off the the, uh, the name badges, the identifiers as to that this is a Tesla and, and what model. I'm going to take all that stuff off. I don't want that. I don't know if I'll fill the holes in or not, but I'm going to take that stuff off. And then what I'm thinking I'll do is I'm going to get a spray can and I'm going to paint race car numbers on the on the doors. You know, I, I'm going to write uh, with with spray paint because I like you know I like racing car numbers on my car. Would you do that to a new Tesla, a $100,000 Tesla? Would you take some stuff off and start putting on other stuff? Uh, no way. That's a $100,000 $100, Tesla. You're not going to add to it or take from it. It deserves respect. It's a, it's a fancy, expensive car. It deserves to be respected. 
Well, that's the idea here with the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And it deserves to be respected. Do not take from it. Do not add to it. The Bible demands to be respected. In John, verse, 2 John verse 9, anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. So if you go, go too far and do not abide in the teaching of Christ, you do not have God. Well, that's, that, that is a serious situation to be sure. And that's, that's how important it is that we respect the Bible and honor it. If you go too far, if you don't abide within the teaching of Christ, you do not have God. That's how serious that is. You know, uh, a, a lot of people in our religious world need to understand that because they, they, they treat the Bible with almost disrespect rather than respect. They think they can add to it, change it, alter it, ignore it, do otherwise. Uh, to do otherwise is to be without God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. Uh, again, lots of people, including a lot of religious people, have not learned this. Notice he says you need to learn not to go beyond what is written. A lot of people need to learn that. Uh, we have a perfect revelation from God and it deserves to be respected. No additions and no subtractions. All right. So the Bible should be read, believed, obeyed, and respected. The Bible deserves to be defended. Do you know what the, uh, every time we name a new president and the president takes office, the president has a specific oath of office that he takes. It's not a long oath of office, but it is significant. The oath of office for the president is, I will do my, I will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So the president takes an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States. The thinking of our forefathers when they very first initiated that oath of office for the president was that this document, the Constitution of the United States, was so important that it needs to be defended. And it has been uh, through numerous wars and other occurrences. Men have acted in defense of the Constitution of the United States. That's a good thing. We are where we are right now because there were people who were willing to defend that document. I'm afraid it's not so much so in, in our current day, but it has been historically true in our country that the president and others would act in defense of the Constitution. Well, if that Constitution of the United States deserves to be defended, demands to be defended, the Bible more so than any human document, uh, more than the Constitution or any other document written by men, the Bible demands to be defended. In Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says, I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. And I stop there for a minute. We know what Paul's talking about. He's writing this letter from imprisonment in Rome, right? This Paul has been beaten and imprisoned. He was once stoned and left for dead. He's been in perilous situations over and over again. 
That's what he's talking about when he says the things that have happened to me, especially leading up to his current Roman imprisonment. He says he sees that it has all worked toward the furtherance of the gospel. And now, he says, I am set for the defense of the gospel. He's not given up. Even after all that he had suffered, he wasn't giving up. He said, I am set for the defense of the gospel. I'm determined to defend the gospel. We should be determined as well. We've not suffered anything at all like what the Apostle Paul suffered. If he could still state his determination to defend the Bible, we should as well. A verse that we've mentioned several times recently in our studies from Jude, verse 3. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation... I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you should contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. That's our job. That's our job assignment. And the Bible demands that and, and deserves that kind of reaction from us. The Bible demands to be defended. All right. So you might add to this list, but here's some important things. It's what the Bible demands. You understand how we're using the word demands. Now, the word demand says this is what's right. This is what ought to happen. But it doesn't necessarily... I mean, you still have a choice in it. It's what you should do. It's what the Bible demands. But it's not necessarily happening in every instance, right? The Bible demands to be read, believed, and obeyed. And it deserves to be respected and defended. What about you? Have you... Learned the truth of God's Word? Have you, have you accepted it for what it is, in fact? What it really is, is the Word of God. This is not human opinion. This is not just somebody's thinks-so's. This is a message from Almighty God, the Creator of all the universe. we got these listening antennas that are trying to pick up intelligence in outer space. I don't think there probably is any. I mean, you might have an opinion about it. It doesn't really matter. What we have in our Bible is a message that supersedes our physical universe. It's not coming from some... The message in our Bible is not coming from some distant place in the universe. It's coming from beyond our physical realm. It's a message from our Creator in heaven. Have you obeyed it? This morning, if you are not yet a Christian, we want you to think about making that decision. It's the most important decision of life. Commit yourself to obey God. Initially, do that having heard and believed the truth by repenting, confessing, and being baptized for their remission of sins. If you've not done that, we hope you'll make that decision without delay. If you're a Christian already, maybe you have not in your life been doing what the Bible demands. Uh, the Bible still stands. It's still there. Its message still true, but you've not been adhering to it. And as a Christian, you've fallen away. If that's the case, we beg you to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. Let us know how we can help while we stand and sing this song.